Uh, all right, well, like I said earlier, uh, we are continuing on. This is week four in, in our series of uh, the I Am Statements of Jesus. Gary will be uh, bringing us our message next week, which I look forward to that. Uh, but this morning we are talking about John 14.6, which is, like I said earlier, probably the most familiar of these seven statements, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Many of us probably have this memorized. We, we've been saying that, that verse by heart for, for years and years. It's very familiar, and yet... It's, it's complex. This is a complex verse. It raises all sorts of questions and forces us to wrestle with all sorts of issues. It, it's, a, it's an easy, familiar verse, and yet there's complexity. There's a density to it. There's a lot of things going on here. Uh, you can't cover it all in one sermon. I, I'm assuming that over the life of my preaching career, I'll come back to this over and over again because I think it's that meaningful. But this morning, uh, I just want to make a few comments, point out a few things, knowing full well that I, I can't, uh, we, we, this can't be comprehensive. This won't be a comprehensive sermon. Sermon. I'll just barely scratch the surface of what's happening here. So, uh, first, before we get going, uh, uh, before we get going here, uh, spoiler alert kind of breaking news for all of you. I was less mature in my early 20s than I am in my mid-30s. All right, so that's just spoiler alert. We'll get back to that in a little bit, but I I know it's probably hard to believe, but that is true. Uh, All right, a a few thoughts on this really popular verse. Uh, Now, before we get into the verse itself, this John 14, 6, I think it's most helpful for us to back up just a little bit. So we're going to be in the book of John, uh, starting in uh, chapter 13. Uh, But if you look at the three stories that happened prior to getting to John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, uh, there's a ringing theme throughout all of these three stories that is essential to understanding the context that Jesus is speaking into when he says this really bold proclamation here. So, so in John 13, uh, starting with verse 18, I'm not, I'm not going to read it all, but if you have it in front of you, you'll kind of get the context. It's a story, in, at the beginning of John 13, Jesus, it's the Last Supper. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. They've eaten eaten this meal together. Uh, hopefully they washed feet after they took all this bread and ate it together or that they had some hand sanitizer. But they've had this meal. They've washed the feet. They're having uh, th- this last supper. And then kind of after all of this has happened, starting in verse 18, uh, Jesus predicts his betrayal. He predicts that someone, we know in hindsight that that's Judas, is going to betray Jesus, is going to turn him over. So this, it's a familiar story. The, the outcropping of this prediction is a really familiar story, right? It's a story that's full of deceit and lies. It, you could say it's lacking truth. 
Uh, Judas is, is searching for something, but he's taking his own way to get there. He's not trusting in the way of Jesus that he's been following. Uh, and so he's taking his own way to try to get to whatever he's searching for. Uh, and then it, in the end of Judas's story, he ends up taking his own life. Right? He, he feels so bad, so guilty about what he has done that he ends up taking his own life. So the story is rife with way, truth, and life imagery, which is setting us up for our verse. The next story uh, begins with verse 31. So, so the night is just continuing uh, this is Monday, Thursday, essentially. The night is continuing, and Jesus predicts Peter's betrayal in this next story in our text, right? Uh, Jesus is basically saying, I'm going to die. Uh, I'm about to die. I'm about to give up my life. And, and, uh, and Peter says, uh, you know, essentially, where, Lord, where are you going? He says, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you'll follow later. Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answers, this is in verse 38, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So he's predicting this event that's about to happen. Uh, But this story, again, is rife with way, truth, and life imagery. Peter is about to lie about his own identity. He's not owning up to who he really is. Uh, He's not living in truth. Uh, Here he's been on the way with Jesus for three years, and yet when it gets tough, when, when the moment finally arrives for them to do what they've come to do, He's not willing to walk down that path any longer, at least temporarily. And then he's not willing to lose his own life in order to embrace true life. It's a way truth and life loaded in these passages. And, and then the third, the third passage, the passage that happens, the story that happens right before uh, this uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life verse uh, is the beginning of John 14. 1 through 4. So Jesus talks about going to prepare a place for us, showing us the way to get here. And I'll read this. John 14, starting with verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has plenty of rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So it's this great transition into our theme verse for this morning. That There's a place... Obviously, Jesus is talking about there's a place somewhere. He's vague about where this is, and to this day, we don't know where that place is. But there's a place somewhere where we can experience presence with God. We can be in God's presence. It's a good place with a good God for all of time. And it's, the text says that God is preparing a place for us to be with him. There's this good place out there somewhere with a good God who wants to be with us in good relationship. Uh, and, and then verse 4, I think, is really, really awesome. Uh, I, I just love this verse. You know the way to the place where I am going. As somebody who uh, kind of loves 
plays on words and, and, uh, and loves uh, good punnery. Uh, I think this is a play on words, right? It, Jesus is kind of messing with them. Essentially saying that uh, it says we know the way to this place. Jesus is basically saying that the way to the place is the way. You want to know the way to the place? Well, the way to the place is the way. That's, that's fun to me. I, I don't know. Uh, it, you know the way, and you know the way, right? You know the path, you know the journey, you know the trail to get there because you know the one who is the way. He's, he's kind of messing with language there. In the New Interpreter's Bible, they say it this way, the way is not a geographical term, but a description of the revelatory work of Jesus. To know the way is thus synonymous with knowing Jesus himself. They are one and the same because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And and that's what we read here in John 14. Thomas says to him, in in a typical Thomas kind of question, right? We know Thomas is doubting. I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think that's a good thing. But this is a prototypical Thomas kind of question. Lord, we don't know what you're saying. We don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus responds with our passage. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life. We can know the way to the place because we know the way. Uh, we're, we're not talking about adjectives for Jesus. We're talking about nouns here. We're not talking about things about him. We're talking about who he is. He, he's not kind of like a journey. He's not kind of like truth. He's not kind of like life. He literally is way, truth, and the life. He's not just the GPS pointing to and guiding us along a way. He is the way, right? It's, it's the woman on the GPS telling us, you have arrived. You have arrived at your destination. Uh, you've made it to the destination. We're, you're not en route. You have arrived. You have arrived at the place where you are going. Again, this commentary says, In this context, way is not used strictly as the route to somewhere else, but as an expression of the faithful person's unity with God. You've been looking for a way to get to God. I'm telling you, it has arrived here today in flesh. You have arrived. Karl Barth says it this way, Jesus does not give recipes that show the way to God as other teachers of religion do. He is himself the way. This is not cryptic. This is not, I'm going to give you some clues like Nicolas Cage in some sort of movie that you got to get to this some end destination. No, it, it is here. The clues have been revealed in me, in Jesus, here in this moment. He is the way. He's not just a prophet reminding us of truth. He is the truth. Right? He hasn't come to tell us some information about what God is like. He's actually come to be the truth of what God is like. He is true here in the flesh. 
Uh, again, this commentary. Uh, to recognize Jesus as the truth is to affirm that as the word made flesh, Jesus makes the truth of God available to the world. It is to acknowledge that one's relationship with Jesus is a relationship with the liberating truth of God. That Jesus' life and ministry are, are the ultimate witness to God's truth. You want to know the truth about God It is here. It has arrived. It is in your presence here in this moment. He is the truth. And and then finally, uh, he's not just a good teacher with worldly wisdom about our earthly life. He is the life. Uh, He he, he hasn't come uh, with a bunch of... You know, he, he has in some ways. He's still a rabbi. He's still a teacher. He's come to teach us some things. But that's not all he is. He's not just some, some worldly wisdom about our earthly life. He is the life. Jesus is life because Jesus brings God's gift of life to the world. Jesus is the way we are searching for. He's not just a path to get somewhere. Jesus is the truth we long for. Not just a purveyor of spiritual truisms. And Jesus is the life we so desperately need. Not just the illusion of life that so many other ways will offer us. He has come to bring the one true life. Walter Brueggemann says it this way. Jesus is the way through the false narratives that cannot bring life to the true narratives that can bring life. There's all these other things in our world that are clamoring for attention that want us to walk down their ways, their truths, uh, into their lives, their, their ways of life. Uh, and yet Jesus is coming and saying, there were a million things that came before and none of those were the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You could say it this way, that Jesus is the end not the means. He's not the means of getting somewhere to some other thing that's out there, distant, afar, that we're ultimately searching for. He is the end. He is the telos, the goal that we've been searching for from the very beginning. He is the one true fulfillment of all we need, the one true path to life. Uh, Which is why this verse contains the definite article, the, for all you grammarians out there. It contains the definite article, the, and not the indefinite article, a, ah, right? He is the way, truth, and the life, not a way, truth, and the life. Uh, We come to him and move through him, and we literally encounter God as we do it. It's not a path to, some, to God somewhere out there. It's not, here's the trajectory that you can follow if you want to ultimately get to God. Nope, it's here. It's present. It's in the moment. Jesus reveals himself to be simultaneously the access to and the embodiment of life with God. All right, so now to, to change gears here for just a moment. Uh, I would say that there's a temptation inherent to this conversation about way, truth, and life. And, and I've briefly mentioned this just a moment ago. There's a temptation here uh, that, that we can fall prey to. This temptation, this quest for our own way, truth, and the life. That's the temptation, is for us to seek out our own forms of way, truth, and the life that will ultimately fulfill us. And, and that temptation, this quest to do it on our own, 
is central to our primary Lenten story. During the season of Lent, uh, we're ultimately kind of celebrating one uh, primary Lenten story, and it's Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, right? We're in 40 days of Lent. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted, and and I actually think that his temptations are almost synonymous to these temptations that we face when it comes to this verse. Uh, And we find find this uh, passage in Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, starting with verse 3. Uh, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, People do not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answers, answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then finally, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, and essentially the angels will come catch you. And Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus is saying, I don't want your power and authority. I I won't give you my worship. You can't get any of that. Jesus' temptation is to walk another way, to to trust another truth, and to seek life in other ways. It's his temptation here in this story. And that is our temptation as well. Jesus' temptation is our temptation, and it's very, very real. And we've probably all experienced that temptation over and over again in our lives, maybe on a daily basis. There are stories that I think of in my life where I've succumbed to wanting to follow my own way and seek my own truth and go after life in a way that I thought it it would bring it to me. And and this is where uh, I'm much more mature in my mid-30s than I was in in my early 20s. Obviously, as you can see, I'm wearing a sport coat. Very mature. But uh, in my early 20s, I can remember a story, and maybe I've said this before, and I don't want to ever become that pastor who's recycling stories over and over, but a, a really poignant story in my ministry life where uh, I was a young punk youth pastor and I kind of thought I knew better than everyone else, including my senior pastor. And our church was going through some flux and having some issues and making some decisions about the future of our church. And I had a pretty big following at that church. All, all the youth uh, parents were, were kind of pledging their allegiance to me behind uh, closed doors, and, and I wasn't smart enough or wise enough to, to put the kibosh on that. And there came a moment where I, I think I probably could have started a, a church and taken like a, a quarter to a third of the, the people there on week number one, and uh, it would have split the church in half. And thank God that never happened, that he was guiding and directing and keeping me from my own harm. Uh, but it was my way of kind of seeking my own way, following my own truth, and trying to find life in ways that kind of fulfilled me and weren't actually fulfilling to the kingdom and weren't healthy for that church. I was thinking back on, a, as a kid, I was, I was always little and kind of a punk, and, and uh, I used humor in order to kind of deflect any sort of criticism that may come my way. And even though I was like four foot tall and and 85 pounds soaking wet, in some ways I was kind of a bully. 
And I look back on that, and that kind of behavior, that kind of using humor in order to hurt other people as a deflection away from the pain that I was feeling on the inside, uh, that's a way of me kind of seeking my own way, my own truth, my own life, and and trying to find that in some other way than simply being okay in, in my image of God's status that God had created me to be. And then finally, I can remember a story. It was my, my first go around in seminary. And uh, I had a professor, his name was Dennis Toom. Uh, and I remember him telling a story about a colleague, a, a friend of his, who was getting out of the ministry. Uh, and, and he was great. He was a great pastor, but he was deciding to leave the ministry. And, and this, this professor, Dennis, was asking him, what, why, why are you leaving the ministry? And, and this, uh, this friend of his said to Dennis, I, I can do more without the Spirit than most people can do with the Spirit. And he, had, he realized he had come to a point in his ministry where he wasn't trusting God. He wasn't following God. He wasn't, he wasn't putting his ultimate trust in the, the one way, the truth, and the life. He was actually trusting his own skill, his own abilities, his own natural giftings that were from God. But he wasn't trusting God in that. He was trusting in himself. And he, he was having ministry success only because of himself. And not because he was relying on God. And he had to take a step back from ministry so that he could start to to re-follow the one true way, truth, and the life. And, And I think Jesus faced these same kind of temptations. But to each temptation, Jesus responds by saying, Your ways are not my ways. Your truth is not actually true. And your life only leads to death. Jesus says, I'm not interested in your way, truth, and life because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want to go about it any other way. And I think that's the calling for us this morning as well, is to say, I don't want to go about this any other way than your way. I don't want to seek any other truth but your truth. I don't want life in any other format because I know it's not ultimately life and it will only lead to death. So as I, as I come to a conclusion this morning, I just want to offer just a couple thoughts, uh, kind of a, as usual. What, what does this mean for us? Is there some sort of takeaway for us as we, as we wrap this thing up? Uh, so the first thing I would say uh, is, is that at, at first glance, I think this passage, I think this sermon is just simply a gospel message. I think, I think what Jesus is doing is just simply... He's just proclaiming the gospel here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Plain and simple. So I, this morning, want to just simply declare this as good news. As the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Plain and simple. He's the way to the Father. He's the truth in a world of falsity and lies. And he is life when all other things in life rob us of life and end with death and destruction. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not just a trustworthy guide through our life. He is the journey. He is the path to life. So I'm calling us this morning to a radical trust in the one true path to life and salvation, plain and simply. No matter where we are this morning, whether 
whether you're at the very beginning of your faith journey or, or you've been doing this thing for years and years and years, I think we all fall prey to following our own way, seeking our own truth, and, and looking for life in ways that will only lead to death and destruction. And so I'm inviting us this morning to once again, no matter where we are on this journey of faith, to put our radical trust in the one true way, truth, and life. That's the first thing. Second thing I would say, and, and it comes uh, as our, our uh, passage continues on. Uh, sorry, I need to find it again here. It, it comes again, or it comes to us in uh, John 14, verse 12, which is a crazy, crazy verse. John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Uh, we'll do greater things than Jesus? That's crazy. Uh, honestly, at first glance, that's a crazy verse. And it makes almost no sense. Like, does he, does he really mean that? And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Does he really mean what he's saying? Or is it kind of like me saying, like, yeah, sometimes my kids beat me in a race. Like, they beat me in a race. Like, is he just being kind to us here? Like, yeah, go get it. You guys are going to do awesome without me because you've been real stand-up citizens throughout this this three-year journey and you've never doubted me and you've never lost your faith. Like, is he just, or does he really actually mean this? I'm not exactly sure what he means by this, but I do think that there's one real simple point for us here. And I think that Jesus is, in a nutshell, saying, that our ministry, as we put our faith in the way, the truth, and the life, the one true God, our ministry will be powerful. I don't know how powerful. I don't know more powerful than Jesus, but it will be powerful. Our ministry will be as far-reaching as the ends of the earth and as intimately personal and relational as the end of our block. He will take us to the ends of the earth to proclaim the gospel, and he will take us to our neighbor's door in order to be the good news of Jesus. And our ministry will be powerful. As we turn to Jesus, seeking him as the only way to true life, our lives will be transformed and our world will be transformed. I honestly believe that. Walking in the way of Jesus, faithfully trusting him with our lives, will result in incredibly powerful ministry. As we immerse ourselves in Jesus, we will begin to do what he does. We'll love who he loves. We'll talk like he talks. We'll eat with who he eats with. We'll care for who he cares for. And it will be life-altering world-changing ministry. So let's commit this morning, regardless of where we are on the journey of faith, to turning our lives over to the way, the truth, and the life. And let's be empowered by the Spirit to do the work of Jesus, or maybe even better than that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this simple gospel message this morning that hopefully is stirring all of our hearts, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We look for, we look for our own ways. We seek our own truth. Uh, we try to find li- life in, in so many different ways, and, and we know that none of those things will satisfy. 
None of those things will ultimately fulfill. Uh, we know that you are the only one that can do that. And so this morning, we, re- we recommit, or we commit for the first time ever, to putting our radical trust in you, the way, the truth, and the life, to guide us uh, as we go, to be our source of life, our eternal life, and our life here in this world. Uh, We give you all honor and praise, and we trust that you will do great things as we turn our lives over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Okay.